everybody, and welcome to For the Wins Gridiron Geeks podcast. I am Charles Curtis, back on uh, our weekly NFL fantasy podcast. Uh, with me, uh, as always, is uh, Stephen Ruiz. How's it going, Stephen? Uh, as long as I don't got to deal with Luke this week, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> well, thank you to Luke for filling in for me while I took care of my poor sick kid, who was much better. Thank you very much. And uh, here we are. It's almost uh, the end of week 14, which means we have... Two what? Two more weeks? Three more weeks? Three more weeks of uh, NFL action, and then suddenly we're in the playoffs. So, uh, how are you feeling right now about uh, the NFL right now? Oh, it's getting crazier. Obviously, we had some big developments last last week or on Sunday. And I just want to point out one thing. I want to give Charles some credit because last time you were on we you were on the podcast, we were talking about Geno Smith, and we uh, predicted his his stat line. And the stat line you came up with was was basically exactly what Eli Manning did yesterday. No way! I didn't even. Oh, it was, it was Eli's stat line. <laughs> I think it was one touchdown, two interceptions, and like uh, I, I forget how many yards you said, but it was basically what you thought Geno was going to do against the Giants. So I just want—I mean, against the Raiders. So I just wanted to pat you on the back. For, oh, for okay. So I see. This is following in the uh, in in the the narrative that Geno Smith is actually kind of like Eli Manning, says Stephen Ruiz. Do I have that right? Yes. Uh, it's brutal. It's brutal to being a Giants fan right now. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Let's get right into it. As always, we come up with four questions uh, that we want to kind of talk about and break down. And the first one obviously has to be, what is the fallout from the Carson Wentz injury? I'll let you lead off, and I'll, I'll kind of jump in with, with fantasy stuff, uh, even though we don't know as of this recording if he has an ACL tear or not. Yeah, so that's obviously the big development we're waiting for. Uh we know our the team thinks that it's at least partially t- torn, so he's going to miss time. He's going to miss at least a month. And I think the big, the first question, if it isn't completely torn, and if there is a timetable for him to return this season, is should the Eagles bring him back? And I I say no, just because what we've seen before, like uh, RG three had a similar injury, and obviously he had that career damaging injury in the playoffs. And then we saw Ryan Tannehill. I, I think he didn't get surgery on his ACL last year, and then he ended up tearing it in training camp. So I think you just got to proceed cautiously if you're the Eagles because, I mean, this guy's your future. You traded all these picks. You built around him. You need to worry about the next 10 years, not this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I do not bring him back, it, no matter kind of what happens, especially if it's a, a month injury. You don't want to have that happen where he's on the field in, with an uh, unstable knee uh, and he's out there, you know, chucking passes, especially in the playoffs against, you know, one of those really great defenses that he could face uh, in the playoffs. And it's unfortunate because the Eagles are having a dream season. You know, I, I thought of the yesterday the dream team comments that Vince Young made years ago, and it was it was Vince Young, right, who said it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking like this is actually the the the, the real dream team, and suddenly here they are going to have Nick Foles be their quarterback heading into the playoffs, and that's just a, a, a gut wrenching kick to you know what uh, for, for Eagles fans and I so I, I even as a, a Giants fan a lifelong uh, Giants fan I feel for you Eagles fans um, from a fantasy perspective I don't think Nick Foles is anywhere close to being your starter no matter what they do in that offense uh, and I just think that that you know this is a team that Alshon Jeffrey's been their guy and I think he still will be their guy I think from a volume perspective that's not going to change um, and when Zach Ertz comes back Maybe you tick him down a little bit, but he's still your top three tight end. So I don't think it necessarily has um, 
as much of a bearing on on your your fantasy playoffs as you would think. It's it's the question is is those numbers will go down for those guys, but the volume will still be there. So will they perform at the same level that they would would have with Carson Wentz? No, I'm a little worried about from that perspective, but I still still think the opportunities will be there. Do you agree? Yeah, I think because. I don't think Wentz was necessarily the reason they were getting those opportunities, especially in the red zone. They, their defense has done a good job of giving them short fields. Their running game has basically dominated in between the 20s. Wentz, he's built this season up on his performance in the red zone, but his performance between the 20s hasn't been – I mean, it's been good. It's been, like, top 10, but it hasn't been spectacular, whereas him in the red zone, that's where he's his, – his quarterback rating is something like 120 – in the red zone, it's like 80 in between the 20. So I think he, I think Foles is still going to get those red zone opportunities, which means your tight ends are going to get the, the targets in the red zone. Jeffrey's going to get targets in the red zone. I think it, it bodes well for the running backs, actually. I think they're going to get more opportunities to run it when they get down close to the end zone now. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that the JJ is uh, it's finally showing uh, why they traded for him. And, and, and I think fantasy owners who have been waiting for this are relieved. You know, the guy had uh, 15 carries for 78 yards for 5.2 average. That's uh, that's some starter-level stuff for, for your fantasy playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think we agree. The Eagles are in a little bit of trouble. And, uh, you know, for, for fantasy owners, you, you'll be okay. You'll end up okay. Um, speaking of the NFC, we got a, our second question here is, what after a crazy Sunday? What's the picture with with the NFC? You know, now the Eagles are the the NFC East uh, leaders, and the Vikings lost in that tight game to the Panthers. What, what, what's uh, where, where your where's your outlook right now? So yeah, basically the top four teams, the top four division leaders, all lost this weekend. The Eagles obviously won, but they lost. Let's be honest. Uh, so I. I I think with the Wentz injury, you have to move the Vikings up to the the front of the line in the NFC. I know they lost yesterday, but that was an odd game. They they didn't play well at all. They missed some tackles. They dropped a lot of passes. There was a lot of penalties, and they still had a chance to win that on the road. So I still think they're the better team when you compare them to Carolina. Uh, and I think Carolina is maybe third in the NFC now. I, I think you have to leave the Saints in, in second because they had a similar game on Thursday, and you, we know Thursday games are weird, and they still they should have at least forced overtime. I don't know what Breeze was thinking on that last throw. But, yeah, that's that's how I'm looking at it right now. I want to see Foles play just because we haven't seen him play in a long time. And I, I, I'm i not as down on the Eagles' offense now as maybe most people would be just because I think just as a pure passer – take away the, the athletic ability and the arm strength. And I think Foles and Wentz kind of have like the same skill set just as passers. Like they're both, I think they both see the field kind of, they see the field well for how young they were. And I'm, I'm bringing this up for Foles like two years ago. He was young. I don't think he's really young anymore, yeah. but they, he's been in a similar offense. And the only problem with Foles, why he got shipped out of Philly was his footwork. And we've, we've seen Wentz have that same problem. It's just that Wentz has other tools to make up for it. So I think the Eagles could still stay afloat. I, I, th- I still think they're a top-four team in the NFC. But I'm moving them to the back of that line. I think they're probably fourth now behind the Panthers, Saints, and Vikings. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you're right about something, which is that Nick Foles, the last time we saw him really perform was in a scheme with Chip Kelly, where he was he was dominating like crazy. There was that one one season where, you know, uh, people were, were declaring Nick Foles the next great quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, most people kind of laughed at that. Um, but he's he's a Doug Peterson guy. So I think that, that there's something about that that's that's helpful there, that maybe he knows the scheme really well, and that if he's going to fit in here as as backup as he has this season, that maybe he can pick up where, where Carson Wentz left off. And I always thought that Carson Wentz was thriving partially because of the scheme. So I'm mm. sort of thinking that, yeah, uh, when we're talking about the, the, the picture in the NFC, I don't think you, Eagles fans should necessarily say, well, this season is doomed. I think you take them a step back, but you still say, hey, the defense is still really good. The, the the receivers are still talented. The running game is still solid. The offensive line is good. So why can't Nick Foles uh, be that guy? That said, he, they're probably the second best team in the NFL in the NFC right now. I think it's the Vikings, like you said, even though they lost, um, and they're a team that can kind of pick things up from there. I think that the Panthers. It's interesting that you, you think they're the best team in the NFC South, and there's no bias no, no, there, right? The, the Saints. I think the Saints are ahead of them. Oh, you do. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Panthers fan bias. Now I, I I think that the Right now, it's the Saints probably third, and then, yeah, do you put the Panthers ahead of the Rams? I don't know. I think the Rams still are, are a team that's dangerous. Uh, if they play a home game, I kind of wonder if, if that that's a team that can do some some damage uh, more than them. The Rams those. haven't played a home game since they played in St. Louis, though. That's the thing. Ah, there we go. Right, exactly. <laughs> LA football is something I, I oh man, we can we can spend another podcast on that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think right now the Rams are probably fourth, but not that far behind the Saints. I think their defense is still legitimate. So um, that leaves the wild cards. So it's going to be what Panthers and probably the Seahawks. Especially Maybe if they win yesterday. The Falcons have the, the head-to-head. It could be the Falcons. That's true. The Falcons still have to – they still have to play the Panthers. They have, still have to play the Saints. So, And they uh, they play the Buccaneers, which should be a win. But those other two games, I think they have to – they might have to win those just to make the, the playoffs. But they do own, like, tiebreakers over everyone that's in front of them. And you can't count out, count out the Packers at this point. They're getting Aaron Rodgers back next week, and they're just a game back. Yeah, I was at a, a bar yesterday, which I'll get into, the, with tons of Browns fans. Not really sure what the Browns fans are doing in the middle of the New York City bar, but they were. And you know, I have a good idea of what they're doing on Sundays. <laughs> uh, New York City bar, not necessarily a Cleveland bar, but yes, that's I yes. Uh, but uh, we were sitting there, kind of you know, friends and I, just noting that if the Browns won that game against the Packers, the Packers were basically doomed. And so that comeback win with Rodgers coming back, yeah, huge. Um, and also, Lions are still there, even though I don't believe in them cowboys are still you know alive so lots of football left to play which is nuts um speaking of the browns um what is your takeaway from the browns firing sashi brown and kind of all the the front office uh machinations that kind of went down this week so i i, I obviously don't like the move i i'm a big fan of sashi brown i think he's done a good job getting all these draft picks spending the cap money they they have while keeping a lot of cap room open and I think he's done a good job of drafting. I know they haven't found the quarterback yet, but I don't even think they attempted to find the quarterback yet. And I still think Deshaun Kaiser has a chance to be a decent quarterback in the league. He's gotten better, I feel like, throughout the season. He, I mean, he threw a terrible pick at the end of the Packers game, but he's gotten better over the last month, and he's only 21. So I think he deserves another look. But obviously with the new GM, I think they're going to try to find a quarterback now. 
And John Dorsey's a good pick. He he's a good draft. He knows how to evaluate talent. And that's what they needed. I think they could have just added a guy like that to to the front office as it was constructed. But obviously there was a rift between the coaching staff and the GM. And Jimmy Haslam chose the one in twenty eight coach that is the has the worst record of any coach that has coached at least forty games. And that's mm-hmm. Hugh Jackson. And but I do think I do think the move is going to end up working out in the short term because Dorsey knows how to draft. He's going to use all those picks to get a lot of good players. But Dorsey's problem in Kansas City was cap management, and that's really the long-term issue here. I mean, the the Browns are going to have all these young players going to free agency at the same time. Is he going to be able to manage the cap effectively, or is he going to get the Browns into cap trouble like he did in Kansas City? You know, I, I, I agree with you about the Dorsey pick being good for the short term, but the reason that I think it's good is because it's all set up for him. It's so easy. It's it's basically, okay, Sashi Brown, uh, despite the fact that he, he got let go for – I mean, I thought the only reason that he got let go was because of the quarterback situation. He whiffed on Deshaun Watson. He whiffed on Carson Wentz. He, uh, you know, as an evaluator – I don't do think so you can well. say he whiffed yet, though. I don't – I think it's still too early to say it, but yeah. And that's where I agree with you. I'm saying the public perception of, of Sashi Brown is like, uh-oh, well, you know, the Browns have to fire him because, you know, the, the, the quarterback situation. But here's the guy, and this is the tweet that went around the moment that Sashi Brown got fired, was that, like, he, he has 26 draft picks, and of which 20 of them are viable either starters or rotational guys, which is an amazing mm-hmm. job. And now you also have two top 10 picks next year uh, in, in the draft, and you also have an abundance of other draft picks that he's gathered. And so what we have here, as a friend of mine uh, nicely pointed out yesterday uh, while at this bar full of Brown, Browns fans, is that it's it's basically a, a hinky situation like they had with the Sixers. The next guy who takes the job is is in, in, in a golden situation because he's got all these draft picks to work with and a situation that's going well. There was a report that he uh, John Dorsey didn't even interview with the Giants before taking the Browns job, and I said, of course. Who wouldn't want the job where you're you have – a bunch of draft picks to work with and a team on the rise and already a roster full of of young guys who can potentially do some things down the road so uh you know that's that was my take and firing sashi brown wasn't the the, the way to go uh in my opinion because uh, if you're doing a, a full rebuild it takes years for that to, to work out yeah I, the browns were just they needed to be rebuilt from the ground up and to own to not even give them two seasons he didn't even get to the end of his second season is just ridiculous. I mean, this was a three-year re- rebuild at at least. Yeah. And he, could, and he was doing it. I thought he was doing a good job. I think it was smart not to get the quarterback yet. You wait until you can build or build up the roster. Then you get the quarterback. Then you have five years of a, a cheap quarterback before you have to give him that $120 million contract that just busts every team's cap. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I thought he was doing it the right way. He was putting the cart before the the horse, so to speak, and he got punished for it. It's absurd. It's it's just it's that's so Browns. And I, I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I write about you know the the Browns fan index this week, and and I I don't know where to go from here because I keep saying oh it'll be it'll be fine it'll be fine, and then they make a move like this, and it's like how can you not feel fine? You know, of course you don't feel fine as a Browns fan because even when they're doing the, this rebuild, they're not rebuilding quite the right way. Ugh, it's so sad. Uh, question number four. Is Jimmy Garoppolo the answer in San Francisco? And let me say this as a Giants fan. I hope the answer is heck yeah, because that means that, that they're not going to take a quarterback. Maybe they'll trade down in the NFL draft, and that means the Giants have a better chance at a quarterback. But what's your take on, on what you've seen from Jimmy G so far uh, as the starter in San Francisco? 
Well, I think you're you're good as a Giants fan because John Lynch thinks he's the future in San Francisco, so <laughs> and that, that, that's all that matters. Uh, I'm I haven't watched uh, the game the the Texans game. I watched the Bears game pretty. I watched the TV copy. I watched the the coaches tape, and I. I guess I came away impressed, but not as impressed as everyone else. I thought he got away with a lot of odd decisions. I think a lot of people, there was that one throw where his tight end caught it in between three guys. He like threw it off his back foot and everyone was like, oh my God, this is the best. This is a yeah. crazy. I thought that was a terrible decision that he just got bailed out. Like, <laughs> you can't keep doing that. But anyway, yeah, I think he makes some odd decisions. His footwork needs... Sometimes he loses his feet in the pocket. Uh, he makes a lot of arm throws. Uh, and I think his pocket presence is, isn't great at this point, although I do think it gets better. He is tough in the pocket. He'll stand in there and take a hit. But when he has to, like, move on from his first read and, like, move, navigate the pocket, he, he kind of, like, goes into panic mode a little and misses some open receivers. But he's still young, and that's going to – that's going to uh, – that's going to figure itself out as he gets more reps. So I think that I, I, I'm not ready to like declare him their quarterback of the future yet. I think they're going to make him the quarterback of the future when they give him either a contract this offseason or a franchise tag. I think his ceiling is probably, you know, like he can become like a, like a second tier quarterback, like a Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford type. That's pretty the good. I don't think, I don't think he's ever going to be elite, but he he could be like a pro bowler. That's from what I've good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Niners fans would take that absolutely. And plus, you know, I, I think the answer to the question is he the answer is probably by default in a way because now they've got yeah. him starting. They've seen what they they've seen out of him and and what they traded for him with with you know uh, the Patriots. Obviously, it's kind of like the sunk cost at this point. Um, I think they end up signing him to the franchise tag just to to give him that one more season. And and we'll get into this in a second. I think the San Francisco 49ers end up signing maybe somebody to compete with him in camp or somebody to give him a little push just to see um, what you have in, 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 in little old Jimmy G. Um, I was I watched some of that game, and, and I was not floored by any means, but I was like, you know what, pretty solid. So for him to have the upside of a Matt Ryan or a, a who else did you say? You said Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford. I mean, that's that's those are, you know, that's pretty darn good. Um, I think any NFL team would take that, especially in a quarterback they didn't necessarily draft in the first place and uh, kind of work with. Um, also, let's note that he wasn't that great against the Bears, and the Bears were a better defense, and the, the Houston Texans defense has fallen off a cliff. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily buying into Jimmy uh, Garoppolo, uh, uh, Garoppolo, you know, kind of jumping all over this defense and, and performing, and, and, you know, it wasn't that great. He he did complete 60% of his passes. and He had a, and he had a couple of interceptions that were dropped. They weren't right. dropped. Straight up, but they were dangerous throws. Yeah, so I'm not like buying it yet, uh, especially when you face the the, the Texans. Um, let's look at uh, what we talked about uh, before the show is, is something we wanted to kind of expand on. You know, not every team is in the playoffs right now, so we can start looking toward the future. Maybe some of your teams out there are looking for quarterbacks. So I, we wanted to break down which quarterbacks this offseason were going where um, uh, and predicting. So um, we have a list of a few. Let's go over them. Let's start with Alex Smith. Uh, I don't think he's the biggest name necessarily this offseason. We'll get to the, the the bigger one in a second. But Alex Smith, to me, is like the most intriguing name because of the year he's having. And I don't think he ends up with the Chiefs. Where do you think he might go? I think he could end up 
in Cleveland with John Dorsey there now. Uh, I'm not quite sure what Dorsey's thoughts were on him. I kind of, it was kind of felt like the, the move to get Alex Smith was an Andy Reid thing. And those two kind of had disagreements and that's what ended up leading to Dorsey getting fired this off season. But I think he has experienced Alex Smith. He knows what Alex Smith is. He just needs, he needs a bridge. He's probably going to need a bridge quarterback no matter what the Browns do this off season. And I think Smith is, is a, a guy that could, he's similar to Andy Dalton and we've seen what Andy Dalton can do in Hugh Jackson's system. So I think uh, Jackson would, would welcome a player like Alex Smith. Assuming that Jackson still has a job this offseason, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Assuming that Jimmy Haslam is going to com- commit to Jackson as he says he will. But he said he's going to commit to the money ball thing for – he's going to be patient with it, and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to throw this one out there. I think the Jaguars are, are a fit only because uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the, the Jaguars – and it's funny that we're talking about this because Blake Bortles is heating up, but we can get into if, if that's – Get actually happening or not, but I still see the Jaguars pursuing a quarterback, and I see you know if they think they're sort of one quarterback away from being a perennial playoff contender. I don't know. It feels like such a Jaguars move to take an Alex Smith who's having the year he's having and trying to fit him into the system that they have now. Although it is a run heavy uh, offense, um, and if they need somebody who can take care of the ball better than Blake Bortles can, Alex Smith is generally that fit. So if you want a guy who can throw. I don't know, 15 to 20 times a game, wouldn't you want to have the guy who's, you know, uh, d- takes care of the football or, you know, as, as as far as, you know, myths go, takes care of the football? So that's my take. Yeah, I, I think that's a good take. The only reason I, I didn't say the Jaguars is because I think Eli Manning ends up going to the Jaguars just right. because of the Hoffman connection. And that Eli Manning's also on this list. So, yeah, I think he ends up going to the Jaguars if he if the Giants decide to cut him or trade him. Which I think they kind of have to at this point. They, did, I completely agree with you. I think they've ruined him, and I also think that that he costs a lot of money, and you know, there's all kinds of, of uh, implications there. And I, it's funny. I was going to say Eli Manning stays with the Giants because I simply just think that the blow up from this year was too much for that that franchise to take. So, so for public reasons, they're going to hold on to Eli Manning um, to avoid a firestorm. But I'm with you. I, I mean, the, the connection with Tom Coughlin is too much to take. I just, I kind of wonder about Eli Manning. Like he has a family in the area. He's been here all of his life, uh, or all of his pro life, I should say. Um, so I, I'm sort of like for like non-football reasons, I kind of wonder if he sticks around, but if the giants do make a move and, and, you know, once again, ignite the fan base, as we, you and I have, have discussed, the Jaguars seem the perfect fit because Tom Coughlin will call him up and convince him to come there. And uh, I, I'd rather have Alex Smith, although, you know, maybe Eli costs a little bit less. Yeah. Uh, so the most interesting quarterback this offseason will be Kirk Cousins. And I have no idea what's going what's gonna to happen with him. Oh, like, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because I was like, all of the options that I had for him have dried up, basically. Because I thought he was going to the Niners, like, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, do you have any ideas, like uh, any uh, creative solutions for where he might go? The Jets. Yes, that's that's the uh, that is the possibility. I I think he wanted he wanted to go to San Francisco to reunite with Kyle Shanahan, but obviously with Garoppolo there now, that's I don't think that's happening. Definitely isn't happening. Uh, but the Jets have they should have a lot of cap space. They have a giant hole at quarterback. So basically I think it comes down to, and 
the other options is I don't I don't think Cleveland is going going to I don't know because now that Dorsey's there maybe Cleveland will be willing to shell out all that money to get Cousins I don't think Sashi Brown would have done it because we've seen him pass up on questionable quarterbacks that cost a little too much I don't think they would have committed all that money to Kirk Cousins I think Dorsey's more a little more old school he'll he, I think he's probably of the thought that you have to build around. You need a franchise quarterback to build around. So, yeah, I think he might spend that money, but and they and the Browns have the money. But I think it's the Jets right now. I think the allure of, like, the big market plus the big money, plus the Jets are, like, an up-and-coming team. After what we've seen this year, their defense is good. They have some interesting pieces on the offense. I think that might be the place he ends up if he does if Washington doesn't re-sign him or tag him again. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they're going to tag him again, which would – what's it going to cost him, $21 million or something absurd like that? That would be like $30 million this year. Right. Like, oh, man, that's that's a lot of – that's a lot. Um, I had an idea for this, actually, while we were talking. I was going, all right, what's a team that maybe Kirk Cousins would want to go to, and who could convince him to go elsewhere? Um, and the Jets are, are certainly a possibility. I just think that there's no allure of playing for the Jets, even though they've been playing really well this year. They're, they're well coached and so on and so forth. Here's an idea for you. What if Kirk Cousins, knowing that he's made a lot of money already thanks to the Redskins, what if he goes to the Broncos? What if John Elway picks up the phone and says, look, I can't pay you as much as another uh, quarterback. I'm looking right now uh, per uh, Spot Track, which is a great website for, for all these things. Um, the Broncos have $26 million in cap space. It's not great. Um, I would think that the Broncos think to themselves, well, we, we, you know, Elway wants to save a sinking ship a little bit with the, you know, the defense is, is kind of, hopefully will still be intact. So what if, you know, he says, let's give it a go, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I hadn't thought of the Broncos. I think that's a good fit. It's just a money thing. And I, I, I don't think Cousins is going to give up a big payday. He's been waiting for it for two to three years now. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a big deal for him. I think that validation, that franchise quarterback money validation is a big deal for him just because he's was a guy that was drafted low and he's had to like really work his way up. And he's made comments like that. He wants to be paid what he feels like he's worth. And I don't think he's going to, I don't know if he's going to be able to get that in Denver. Although I think that would be the team where he would give up money to go play just because they have the defense. They won a Super Bowl two years ago. They have John Elway who, you know, has, his own allure by himself. I think that's the only chance we see him take a cheaper contract. Yeah, and and uh, that's the those are the only two teams I can think of really uh, that that would go for besides the, the Redskins. What about Tyrod Taylor? Where does Tyrod Taylor go? And I think Tyrod Taylor. I'll I'll start. I think he ends up on a team. Maybe he, I think he's done with the, the the Bills. Is there a team out there like that would pair him with another quarterback to have a competition? Because that's where I think. NFL teams see him right now, even though he should be a starter. I was thinking about the Dolphins, maybe. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know what what their situation might be next year, but you know, obviously Jay Cutler uh, uh, is not cutting it necessarily. Even though he's played a little bit better, um, and I know the Dolphins he's not have come back. He's not going to want to come back. No, he's you know absolutely not. He's he's absolutely not going to come back. Um, and I just think that, that that you know, Tyrod has he'll, he'll end up. Uh, with a, not a great contract, but I think he'll perform, outperform it. You know, I don't think the the Dolphins want to go with Matt Moore next year, um, so I I'm, I'm going that way. I mean, they still have Ryan Tannehill there, so you know you can put the two of them into competition. Yeah, I think it would be smart to give Tannehill a little competition. We saw what that's done for Alex Smith. Whenever 
the questions come about Smith losing his job, it seems like that's when he turns it on. It happened at the beginning of the year, and it's kind of happening now. Uh, but, yeah, Tyrod, I think he's going to have trouble finding like a starting job or even a chance to compete. He might be the one that goes to the Jets. Or maybe the Redskins, if they lose Cousins, they opt for Tyrod, although I, I think... I think the Redskins try to get the uh, whoever is left out in the cold in Minnesota. I think that's who the Redskins should go after. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, totally. Agree. So, but I could also see Tyrod in in Denver. Yeah. Oh, possibly. Uh, uh, yeah. If if Elway doesn't get get his, uh, you know, in our hypothetical situation, doesn't get Kirk Cousins. But yeah, uh, the other one we had on this list was whoever gets the the Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum. Um, whoever's cut from there and I, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably Sam Bradford I think that's the one who goes to the skins I was totally the I was thinking to myself that's the the solution to this whole merry-go-round um so we're in agreement there that's interesting um we'll do a quick would you rather because we do that and and this one's with quarterbacks you came up with this one would you rather have Derek Carr right now or Marcus Mariota yeah so both guys are struggling uh Carr's numbers look a lot better Mariota's can't stop throwing interceptions, so that's bringing down his his stats. But right now, if this is a real life football question, I think the obvious answer, at least for now, is Mariota, just because of the contract situation. Derek Carr is one of the highest paid players in the league now. Mark Mariota is still on his rookie contract, but you will have to pay him in I think a year or two. Uh, but just long term, I I like Marcus Mariota better as a quarterback. I just think he does. A couple things better if he if he was in the I think the offense car is playing in right now suits Mariota better huh. than what he well I think any offense suits him better than what he's working with in Tennessee which is just basically a 1990s offense with some read option mixed in uh yeah I, I like Mariota's skill set a little better than Carr's I think he has a higher ceiling I think Carr's the better quarterback now, but Mariota's younger and cheaper. So that makes a difference for me. I'm going to go with Mariota. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I think it's Mariota. Um, uh, I think Derek Carr was good last season, as you've pointed out many times, because of the offensive line being so good. And this year with uh, that team taking a step back, he's taking a step back. And I watched a little bit of that game yesterday at the bar, and Derek Carr made some really bad throws. There was one throw I, I just remember seeing Crabtree down the field run a beautiful route, and he turned around, and the ball was way behind him. And just a, a bad ball, and I thought, oh, Derek Carr, what's wrong with you, man? Um, Marks Mariota can run the ball better, and yeah, his upside's still there, uh, even though the season's been a, a step back uh, for him as well. Uh, and we'll do our one last game, which we always do, which is start, bench, cut, which is we pick three things and we force ourselves to start them, bench them, or cut them. And again, you pick this one out. The Jaguars, the Ravens, or the Chargers, which one do you start? Which one do you bench? Which one do you cut right now? I think I'm starting the Ravens just because their offense is starting to click and their defense is, I don't think it's far off from the Jaguars level. I think they turn up, they make, they force a lot of, the Ravens force a lot of turnovers. And I think that's a thing that will carry them in the playoffs. I just, it just comes down to a question of Blake Bortles versus Joe Flacco. And I don't really trust either of those guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really, uh, I'm not really uh I don't subscribe to the, like the playoff Joe Flacco theory. I don't think playoff clutchness is actually a thing. I think it's just a a small sample size thing. So I'm not buying into that either. And then the Chargers, I I, I think the Chargers are the most talented team out of that three. 
and they have the best quarterback. I'm just they're just the Chargers. It's just hard to believe in them. Like every time you put faith in the, to them, they they break your heart. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start the Ravens, bench the Jaguars, and cut the Chargers. Although I think it's really close. I I could see any argument. I could see any order you could put that in. Yeah, I I I'm, I disagree with you. The Chargers are a good team, and I've been saying this for weeks. They are a good team, balanced on both sides of the ball. Philip Rivers getting hot at the right time. Uh, and and those pass rushers uh, are incredible, and and the secondaries continues to be impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going with uh, the Chargers. I'm going to start them. I think they end up still uh, leading in in the AFC West, and I think that the Jaguars are my bench team only because I just think that once we reach the postseason, the Blake Bortles magic dries up, um, and if there is any Blake Bortles magic to begin with. But I think the defense is legit, the running game is legit, but uh, once you hit the playoffs, it, it's going to be trouble uh, at quarterback. Um, if they find themselves down in a game. Uh, and the Ravens, I'm not buying it. I mean, they, they almost won that game last night. But, uh, man, I just uh, – the defense has been decimated by some injuries. Uh, and I'm with you, Joe Flacco, not uh, not elite. I'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, so I'm cutting them. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I could see any way you put it. Uh, the Chargers might – I think they are the best team. I just don't trust them. And I think the Ravens at least have playoff experience. I do think playoff experience matters. And I think it's going to matter when the Jag- – especially for the Jaguars with that young offense. And the defense is still pretty young too. It doesn't have that much playoff experience. But that's what's making the difference for me. It's just playoff experience, which right could on. be the wrong way to look at it. But. Yeah, well, I love that you, you think the Chargers' brand is that they're terrible. You know, they just – you can't trust them. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's finish up. Um, we always finish up with our, our top five uh, teams in the NFL, so I'll just kick it off real quick. The Patriots obviously take a huge lead right now with the, the Eagles having a, a little uh, quarterback injury. Uh, so they're first. I'm putting the Steelers second. Uh, uh, they, they too, have gotten hot at the right time, so uh, you got to put them second. I think the Vikings are third. Uh, they are still uh, a great team, even though they uh, lost that game. Uh, I think they are the team to beat right now in the NFC. Um, Saints fourth, that I keep wavering about, but I'm going to still stick with them for now. And the Rams fifth with the the Jaguars kind of not that far behind. I'm going to go Patriots, Steelers. I'll have the Saints third because I I don't think that Thursday night game was really indicative of anything. They lost Kamara in the first drive that, and they only had they had three days to game plan. I, I'm pretty sure he was a big part of the game plan. And, and that just that just ruined the whole game for them. I I feel like, and they still should have won. I'll go. I'll go Vikings fourth, and then I'm gonna say Panthers fifth. I I don't believe in the Rams yet, just because I think they're a year away. I think they're gonna be really good next year. I think we they're they're dealing with a couple of injuries. Uh, and then the Jaguars. I I'm not trusting Blake Bortles. I'll, I'll take Cam Newton over Blake Bortles every every time. Yeah, no, you make you make a good argument there. That's a very simple one, too. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We will be with you next week uh, as week 15.